Welcome to this week's presentation from Bethesda, a church community where anyone can belong. We hope that the following presentation encourages you in your faith journey. Thanks for listening. As, as the last number of weeks have, have kind of came and gone now, we've been journeying through a series called Doors. And in this series... We've been uh, exploring different doors in life, so to speak, and Pastor Bruce opened by talking about the door of courage, and then he followed up by a message on the door, uh, door of risk, and Pastor Megan last Sunday had an incredible message on uh, uh, doors of distraction in our lives, and you see, there are kind of five principles that I want us to remember as we walk through this series and kind of has given us a bit of a foundation to where we were going with this, and these are some things that you need to know about doors in your life, because you see, a door really represents a decision point. A door can represent a decision point in your life. You see, in the Bible as well, doors are, are often used as a metaphor for choices that we make. And, and uh, you learn early in life that there are some doors that you should walk through, and there are some doors that you should not walk through, right? And so there are so many doors. You will pass by dozens, if not hundreds, of doors today as you go about your day. But also there are proverbial doors in our lives that we have to make decisions each and every day. So the first principle was, was the fact that every door is a decision point for you. Some doors you should walk through, others you should not walk through. Number two is that the, the fact that you know, my future will be shaped by doors I open and the doors that I choose to just walk on by and pass. Because, you see, the difficult part is knowing in our lives what doors that we should walk through. Or what decisions we should go with. And, and, and so there are going to be options in our lives sometimes of what door we should walk through. And, and so having what the Bible talks about and we talk about in church as discernment. To be able to discern what doors we should walk through and what doors we shouldn't walk through is very important. So let's keep that in mind. Three, a door may be an opportunity from God. Oftentimes God will present opportunities, and so a door might represent an opportunity from God. When God opens doors for us, perhaps there's an opportunity for an open door for us to walk into that in our lives. Sometimes we're, we're, we're hesitant to walk through doors because some of you know that you have walked through doors of opportunity that God has opened for you, but you know that if you do that, there's going to be risk there's going to be faith involved and perhaps some opposition. And so sometimes we shy away from walking through doors, even the ones that God has opened. For a, a, a door will never contradict the word of God. And so if you're trying to make a decision about something, you're not sure what decision to make, what door should I walk through? Well, one way to discern whether or not the door you're walking through is correct or the right one is, is to filter it through the word of God. You see, the door, uh, the door presented to you by God will never contradict his word. The word of God is our moral compass. And if you're about to walk through a door in life and it is at odds with God's word, don't walk through it. That's all I had to say. No. But that's just one good point for us to remember. That, that if, it's, if it's not in line with God's word, perhaps we shouldn't do that. And five, sometimes God shuts doors. Sometimes there are doors in our lives that are closed. And maybe God does that to protect us in some ways. Maybe he's closed the door on a, on a certain opportunity or a certain relationship. Or, and we don't really know why. And perhaps God has done it in your best interest and to protect you. Excuse me. Today we're going to be talking about a door of, of purpose or, or a door of, of calling because I believe that each and every one of us 
God has a purpose for your life and my life, and God has a calling on our lives as well. But this is actually going to require us to look at two different doors today. And I didn't uh, have another one built just for this Sunday, but you're going to have to imagine with me two different doors this morning that we're walking through. And so we're going to talk about it this way. Although we can't change our past, because the first door we're going to look at is the door to our past. Although we can't change our past, we have to remember and understand that God can change our future, okay? Even though we can't change things that have happened in the past, God is able to help us, and we can learn, and we can grow, and he can help change our future. There's one time that um, I was uh, in my car with my now wife, and she was my wife at the time, Angela, and she's right there, so she can verify this story. Um, My car was a 1999 Honda Civic DX Coupe. That sounds fancy. It had the roll-down windows. It had 2 by 40 air conditioning, two windows down, 40 kilometers an hour. That's it. I had this thing tinted out nice, you know, in the back, and it looked nice. It was a white car. I upgraded the rims so it looked good. You know, I worked hard for that. And so we're driving in my car, myself and my wife, and the fact that she was my wife is a, is a testament of how nice my car was, right? <laughs> you joke about this, but uh, it was standard transmission, a great, great little car. That was before, we were married, but it was before we had children this particular day. We were newly married. We didn't have any children. All was good. Not that children made things bad. I'm not saying that. Don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. Our children bring so much joy to our lives. But it was just the two of us. Newly married. Everything was right in the world. Angela had filled up her bottle of water that morning, and mostly with ice. She, she filled it up with ice, and then she topped it off with water because we were going, I guess, on a road trip. She wanted to have nice cold water for the drive. And so for some reason in conversation, I looked at her, and I said, well, what's going to happen if the ice melts? It's going to overflow. Okay, give me a little bit of grace here, okay? I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to say I had a, a moment and some people make jokes about certain hair colors and all that. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. I just said this thing, and, and as it came out of my mouth, I knew that it didn't make any sense. And she looked at me, and she goes, what do you mean when the ice melts? As if when the ice melts and turns to water, it's going to create too much volume for this thing. But if you know anything, that when the ice melts, it gets smaller and creates space. And so this whole conversation is had. We were driving, I think, probably to Grand Falls or something. The entire drive, she didn't leave me alone. She laughed the entire time. She made fun of me. Now, there are stories that I could tell as well about things that she has said, but I value my marriage. <laughs> and I love my wife. So I won't tell of her little moments where she's said things that, anyway, I'll stop right there. But I say that to say this. That was 10 plus years ago. Do you think I've ever heard that story since then? I hear that story almost every week. <laughs> Not, not really, but it comes up quite often. That story keeps coming up. Out of nowhere, this story will come up. And every time it does, I'm like, oh, my, here it goes again. Oh, yes, Justin, yes, yes. But 
it's funny thing, isn't it, that, that the funny thing about our past is that things that happen in our past doesn't always stay in the past, right? It, it comes up again and again and again, even in the present. It comes up again and again, and, and it can be humorous sometimes, and we have funny stories that we like to tell. But I realize at the same time that it isn't always the funny things that stay. There are moments, and there are things perhaps in your life that happened in the past. Perhaps it's, the, it's a hurt, it's something you did, something you said in the past. And not the funny thing, but the difficult thing is that it doesn't stay in the past, but it comes back and it, you're reminded of it even in the present, right? Isn't that true? Maybe for you, you have a problem. Maybe you've had issues with, with your temper. And maybe in the past, because of that short fuse, you've said things to people that you know that once the words came out, you couldn't take them back. And things that you said that hurt people, or perhaps somebody who was angry said something to you and it hurt you. Maybe that was something that keeps coming back. Or maybe you said some things to your loved ones that you can't take back and that they'll never forget. Or maybe for you, it's the reoccurring cycle of ongoing sin where you keep saying, I won't, I won't, I won't, I won't. I did. And maybe that's what it is. Or maybe for you, it's that you betrayed maybe a, a friend or a relationship or maybe your spouse in some way in, in the past and that's been difficult and you can't ever seem, and no matter how many steps you try to take, it doesn't seem like you can move forward. Or maybe it's the expectations that you put on yourself years ago. Maybe when, when you were a little younger, you had expectations of what your life was going to look like, what you were going to accomplish, what, what your family was going to look like, and all of these things. And, and now that the, the future has come, you look at your life and you say, well, this is not how I had imagined it. And maybe it's different than that, and maybe not in a good way. But, be, but you, see, you see, the past doesn't always stay in our past, but it affects our present. It's almost like a door. It's almost like a door, and although we can't walk through that door, we can't go back through the door because we can't go back to our past, it seems like the door is still kind of open a little bit. And we can almost feel the cold, bitter wind still coming in from our past, reminding us of what had happened or what you had done. If anyone understood what was, this was like in the Bible, it was Peter. It was Peter. Peter was one of the disciples, and some of you are going, wait, wait, wait. Isn't Peter the one who actually had enough faith to step out of a boat and walk on water for a little bit until he lost, you know? Yes, that Peter. Isn't, you say, it can't be Peter, the one that Jesus said, Peter, you know, upon this rock I'll build my church, and you're one of his, you know. Yes, that Peter. If anyone knew what this was like, it is that Peter. You see, in this scene, he's with the rest of the, the, the disciples, and, and they're sharing in the Last Supper. This is the night that Jesus was betrayed, was about to be betrayed. This is the night that he would begin and, and go to trial and later be crucified. And in that meal, during that time, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, he said to them that some of you will, will deny me. Some of you are going to actually desert me. And, uh, and Peter, who was never slow to speak, a lot like Pastor Rob, I'm, I'm Totally kidding, Pastor Rob. I picked on you in first service too. I'm sorry. 
Peter, who was never slow to speak, when Jesus said, someone here is going to deny me, Peter was the one that spoke up. He said, no, Lord. (laughs) No, even if all these other people deny you, I won't be the one to deny you. Not me. Even if I have to look death itself in the face, I won't deny you. That was Peter's response. Well, Jesus said to Peter then, he said, Peter, actually, you will deny me. And actually, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times. Peter was right in one sense. He, he didn't have to look death in the face to deny Jesus. It simply took a young girl warming her hands by the fire to ask him a question. That's all it took. He was sitting nearby where Jesus was on trial in this scene and they were around a fire and this young woman looks at Peter and says, hey, aren't aren't you one of them? Talking about Jesus' disciples. She asked him a question and immediately he said, no, 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 you must have me mistaken. It's not me. It's not me. I'm not the one who was with Jesus who's on trial right over there. A moment later, somebody else looked at him and looked across and said, no, 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 I, I, I think you're the, you're the one. I, I'm pretty sure you're the one. I mean, even your, your dialect, I, I know you're one of the ones that have followed Jesus. And he says, no, it is not me. You're crazy. And he even drops some vulgarity, apparently. He says, adamantly, it's not me. And I'm not going to repeat. Uh, and then, a third time, a third time, Someone says, no, I think you're the one that was with him. You were with Jesus who's on trial over there. And for the third time, Peter says, no, 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 no. You're mistaken. I don't even know him. What happened next is this, Luke chapter 22, verse 60, 61. This is what it says. It says that Peter replied, this is the third denial now. Peter replied, he said, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, before he he even had the words out of his mouth for the third denial, it says, a rooster, the rooster crowed. Not only that, at that very moment, Jesus was being escorted by guards who were holding him on trial and he was arrested by. And it says that the Lord, Jesus, turned and looked straight at Peter. I want you to imagine for a second that you're Peter and the son of God who is standing trial for something that he didn't do, who is going to die on a cross for the sins that he didn't commit in order to save people just like Peter, who, you know, Peter walked with him for three years. Peter had seen Jesus perform countless miracles, yet Peter had now denied even knowing Jesus, not once, not twice, but three times. And at that very moment, Scripture says that Jesus looked at Peter and they made eye contact. Jesus turns and looks him in the eye as Peter denied him the third time. What did Peter, I mean, what did he have to feel in that moment? Let's be honest. Guilt, right? I can't believe what I just did. Guilt? Shame? What? I mean, what if the other disciples find out what I I actually did? Shame. No doubt regret, you know. 
I wish I could take that back. And while you have never seen that eye-to-eye look from Jesus, like Peter did, many of us have seen that look before, haven't we? It's, it's that loved one that we let down. And when they find out what you had done or let them down, it's that look in their eyes of disappointment, of hurt. Maybe it's that coworker or someone that you know at your school that you talked about behind their back and thinking they'll never know what I said and all of a sudden they discover what you said and the next time you see them, you see the look in their eyes that you've hurt them or that you've said something that you shouldn't have said. What did Peter have to feel in that moment? Guilt, shame, regret. We felt that before, that those, those same feelings. You see, because our past, although we can't go back to it, continues to speak to us. And the thing is that the enemy uses that, doesn't he? The enemy will use that because he reminds us of what we've done. And our enemy says about us at least three different things that, that I, I wrote down that, that, that are about us. He would say these lies about us. The first thing the enemy will say because of what you've done in your past is that you are unforgivable. The enemy will, will say that you are unforgivable. That you've done too much or you didn't do enough. Or, or, or that failure that you are a part of has affected so many people. You've done too much. You are unforgivable. Forgivable. That's what the enemy will tell you. You're unforgivable. Not only that, but he will say also that you are unlovable. The enemy will say that you're unlovable because if people really knew, if the people who you're sitting next to really knew that really you have some doubts spiritually, or if people really knew what you had said to your spouse, if people really knew they wouldn't love you. The enemy says that you are unlovable. That's what the enemy's lies will tell you, that you're unlovable. The enemy says that because of what you've done in the past, you have no future. And the enemy says that you are unusable. The enemy will say that you are unusable. God could never allow you to be part of a a healthy family because of what you did in your family in the past. God could never allow you to have your physical body be well because some of the choices you made in the past that hurt yourself. The enemy will tell you all sorts of lies. That God could never use a person like you because of what you've done. You see, the enemy continues to whisper these lies, doesn't he, from our past. And they blow through like a bitter cold wind. And we can't seem to let it go. And here's the problem. The problem is if we can't let go of our past, then we can't truly take hold of the future that God has for us. If we don't learn to let go of our past, we won't be able to truly grasp what God has for us in the future. And yet, the good news is that Jesus doesn't leave us holding on to our past. Instead, he comes to us when we need it the most. And how do we know that? Because he did it with Peter. And he's done it with so many more, and he's done it with me. You see, he came to Peter after he denied him and after Peter had deserted the call that God had put on his life that Jesus brought him into with the ministry that he put on his life. You see, Peter, after the fact, after he had denied Jesus, after Jesus was crucified, Peter went back, like some of the other disciples, to what they knew. They went back to their old jobs again. So Peter went back to fishing. He was a fisherman by trade. And so Peter went back to fishing. And and Peter had some other disciples too that went with him. And one day, Jesus appeared to them on the shoreline. They didn't know it was Jesus right away, but he called out to them. And they were fishing, and he said, hey, 
throw your nets to the other side of your boat. And they hadn't caught many fish up to that point, so they thought, why not? And so they put their nets on the other side, and the Bible says uh, that, that they filled their nets so full that they could barely pull it in. And so all of a sudden in that moment, guess what they realized? That guy on the shore, that's Jesus. He's resurrected. He's done what he said he would do. That's him. And Peter, this time, Peter doesn't try to get out of the boat and walk on the water, but Scripture actually describes Peter getting in and swimming to shore. He didn't even wait for the guys to pull up anchor and and row in. He said, I'm just doing my best Michael Phelps right now. And he started, like, doing a breaststroke right towards the shoreline. And Peter got in there. And he jumped into the water, got to shore. And he had what must have been one of the most awkward conversations or meals in history. Because it says he sat with now the risen Christ, who he had denied even knowing just a few days before. This is the first time he's seen him since. And so he's back, and then there's no record of them actually speaking during breakfast until finally Jesus speaks. And here's what Jesus says to Peter. And remember, Peter was no doubt full of guilt, full of shame, full of regret for what he had done. John chapter uh, 21, verse 35, or verse 15, sorry. It says, when they had finished breakfast, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than what you're doing right now, the fish, the, do you love me? And it's interesting right away that Jesus used Peter's full name. When Jesus met Peter for the first time, in a little context, his name was Simon. And later, uh, Jesus gave him the name Peter. But But Jesus doesn't call him Simon. Do you love me? He doesn't say, Peter, do you love me? But Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John. That was how you recognize someone in their full description, full name. How many of you, when you were kids, you might have been outside playing, and when supper was ready or dinner was ready, you heard your mom call out, right? Justin, time for supper, right? And and if you weren't having too much fun, you'd go and listen. But if you ignored it a few times, what did you hear? Justin Brian Parsons. (laughs) Get in here now, right? When you heard your full name, you knew I need to stop what I'm doing, drop what I'm doing, and go right away, right? If I care for myself at all, I'm going to go. And I asked this in the first service and got confirmation. No matter where you may be from, I think this translates well, right? Whatever country you may have uh, came from originally, I think when a parent calls you by your full name, it has meaning. You know you got to go, right? It's like, Justin, Brian, okay, Mom, I'm coming, I'm coming. So Jesus calls him by his full name, and Simon, Peter, he must have been like, oh boy, here it comes, here it comes, you know, here it comes, do you realize who I am, he's thinking, maybe Jesus is going to say, Peter, are you ashamed of yourself, do you feel guilty for what you've done, do you realize what you said about me, Peter, you know, know, I, I need you to go and do these things and make yourself right so you can come back and have a relationship with me, Peter, that's what Peter might have expected when he heard his full name. But that's not what Jesus said to Peter. He says, Simon, son of John. Next verse. He says, do you love me? 
And Peter responds and says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus says, feed my lambs. Then Jesus asked him a second time. He repeated the question. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And then a third time he asked, do you think it went unnoticed to Peter that Jesus asked three times? Do you think Peter had forgotten just a few days earlier he didn't deny Jesus one time or two times, but three times? And a third time Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? Here's what the Bible says next. It says what? It says Peter was hurt that Jesus would ask him a third time. As I read that, I was struck how kind and caring it was for Jesus in that moment to hurt Peter with a little bit of tough love and perhaps a little bit of embarrassment perhaps Peter felt. But you see, Jesus could have said, hey, Peter, good to see you again. Look what's happened. Oh, don't worry about that. It's all good, man. (laughs) He could have kind of forgot about that, but Peter would have lived with that shame, regret, guilt. Jesus loved Peter too much not to hurt him a little so that he could bring healing. How many of you know when you hurt yourself, you cut yourself, what do you need to do? You need to clean it out first, right? Before you bandage it. I'm not a medical person. I don't know a whole lot about medicine, but if you have a wound, And you don't clean it before bandaging it. I mean, you're at risk for many infections, things like that. So the first thing, I know this because when I grew up, and now I'm a parent, we've done it too. When I grew up, I could remember if I scraped my knee or if I hurt myself, the first thing mom would do is go to the cabinet and get the brown bottle of peroxide. And you're like, oh, no, oh, no. And you see that thing bubble, right, and sting. And then she'd do this. As if blowing on it's going to make it feel better. But it distracts, right? And I don't know if it ever did help the blowing on it, but I think it does. <laughs> yeah. So that's what mom would do. I mean, she would clean it out because she understood in order to, for it to heal properly, she had to clean it out. And, and, and that's important because, you know, Jesus did that with Peter. He says, let's clean out that wound so you can heal properly. So how do we know, how do we let go of our past? Because although we can't change our past, God can change our future. We said that earlier. The first thing we need to do, if we want to let go of our past, the first thing that we need to do is make sure the door on our past is closed. We need to make sure that door on our past is closed. We need to close the door. Close the door. How do we close the door on our past so the enemy can't continue to speak those lies into your life of you being so unforgivable or unlovable or unusable? Then we have to accept this truth, that God's God's grace is bigger than our sin. That God's grace is bigger than our sin. Marvelous grace, God's grace greater than all my sin. We have to believe that. How do we know it? 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, but if we confess our sins to him, him being God, if we confess our sins to him, he is what? He is faithful 
and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He doesn't say if you beg, if you feel guilty, if you're ashamed of yourself. He doesn't say any of that. He simply says if you confess, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you. Why? Because his grace is bigger than your sin. And ultimately, our standing with God is determined by our relationship with God. I remember, again, a day of reflection for me, but when I was growing up, uh, I remember multiple times you might think that I was a perfect child. None of you probably have ever thought that, but I wasn't. I gave my parents and grandparents a hard time, I know, at times. Um, I remember a couple of occasions, but one time in particular, my grandfather was, he wasn't home. I went to his house, and I had it in my mind that I wanted to build something. And in order to build what I needed, I needed uh, uh, some kind of string. And in my mind, I thought, okay, Pop has one of these weed trimmers. I wanted to get the line that he puts on a weed trimmer. This is a true, true story. I was about 14 years old. Because if I had the line for the weed trimmer, then the stick that I had, I could curve it and make a bow and arrow. That was my thought. The only problem was Pop wasn't home and his shed was locked up like Fort Knox. But I'm a problem solver. I was going to figure it out. I couldn't wait. There was no, I couldn't text Pop. So I found my own way into his shed. After the fact, I realized the damage I had done. <laughs> the poor door. I thought it was just going to be a couple screws. or I had the thing wrecked, right? I got the string. It didn't even work out. Whatever. I, I wasn't that smart. And I'm standing there looking at this door. I'm like, I, I can't even fix this. And I remember when he came home, he pulled in the driveway, and I was still there. <clears throat> he came over, and he seen what had happened. And you know what I did first? This is how I stood in front of him. I couldn't even bear to look at him. Why? I felt guilt of a bad decision I made. I felt shame, regret. I can't change it. I already made the mess of it. And, and I remember my grandfather, who went to be with Jesus in January this, this year. He, <clears throat> he came up, and his first words were this. He said, look at Pop. <laughs> look at Pop. It took every bit of everything in me to look up and look him in the eye. He said, look at Pop. And in his own way and in his own words, he said, there's nothing you could do that would change the way I feel about you because I love you. You're my grandson. Yes, you've made a mess of my shed. Yes, you made a mistake. He knew I was hurt. He knew I regretted it. He knew the guilt. He was so wise. Look at Pop. I love you. It's okay. Let's fix it. And he put me to work and showed me how to fix it. And that story makes, still makes me emotional today because why? To be fully known for all of your mistakes and shortcomings, failures, to be fully known and to still be fully loved <laughs> is something incredible.
It's a powerful thing, isn't it? To be fully known and fully loved is a powerful thing. And yet I know that there are probably some of you who walked into this church today, and maybe not outwardly, maybe you're not doing this outwardly, but inwardly, you're looking down. Because you're thinking of the shame, the things that you've done, the regrets, things that you wish you could take back. And that's how you feel inside. I can't believe I, oh, I wish I hadn't did that. Or if these people really knew this about me, I can't believe that happened. They wouldn't accept me if they knew. And yet what you need to hear today is I need you to hear the truth that God says. This is what he's saying to you today. He's saying, look at me. Look at me. Because I love you. Because you're my child. And there's nothing you will ever do to change that. Some of you might be still recoiling in your mind saying, but if you, no, if you really knew what I did 15 years ago. And there's not a day goes by that you don't regret or wish you could change what you did. If you really knew what I did, even this past weekend, Pastor, you know, if you really knew. And yet Peter, after the third time Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? He exclaimed something that we would do well to exclaim. He says this. He says, Jesus, you know everything. You already know, God. You know everything. And yet he still simply asks, do you love me? We would do well to give ourselves some grace and the forgiveness that God has already extended to us through Jesus Christ. You see, because the door is no longer held open by anything, because Jesus broke the powers that hold open the door of our past and the sin. He did all that. He accomplished all that on the cross. We simply have to make the decision. Am I going to close the door to the lies that I continue to hear? Because if you are not going to close the door, you're going to still do it. You need to make a decision to close the door on your past because you are not what you've done. You are who God says you are, church. And it says if you are in Jesus Christ, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are forgiven. You are loved. You are a child of God. Here's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 12, 13. It says this. It says, yet to all who did receive him, those who accepted Christ, those who received Christ, and those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become what? Children of God. <laughs> for those who receive him, for those who believe in him, he gave the right to be ch called children of God. And when you're somebody's child, your relationships are not defined by your mistakes. When you're somebody's child, it's based on the relationship you have with your parent. When you accept Christ, you become a child of God. You are not what you've done. You're who God says you are. He says you're his child, you're forgiven, and you're loved. So how do we let go of our past? We close the door, right? We close the door. We don't have to listen to those lies anymore. And the second thing we have to do uh, as well is this. Not only close the door to our past, but we have to be willing to step into our future. The future is simply this. It's simply this moment now, forward. Simply. This moment right now, 1245, November the 10th. Now, forward is your future. What it is that God is planning for you and has purpose for you is what you walk into for your future. 
How do we let go of our past? We close the door, then we need to step into our future. He saves us from our past so that we can step into the purpose and the future he has for us. Because why? Because God uses imperfect people to impact his world. What he did with Peter. What did he do? Three times. Simon, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Three times Jesus said, feed my sheep, take care of my lambs. What was he saying? What was Jesus saying when he was, because you're like, what? Go feed, is he a a farmer? Does he own sheep? No, no, no. What Jesus was saying was, Peter, I have a calling on your life. There's a purpose on your life to feed my sheep, to shepherd people. There's a calling and purpose that I have for you. You've left that. You went back to fishing. But in this moment, I'm saying, if you love me, you'll walk in my plans for you. You'll feed my sheep. He was putting the calling back on Peter. He was calling him back. And he's called every single one of us who have been saved from our past to step into our future. And he's put a call on us in purpose. Maybe for you, it's, you know what, I I know what it's like to be a single parent. Maybe that's you. And God can use me to show the love of Christ to people who are in that exact same situation. Maybe for you, you can say, you know, I know what it's like to grow up in a home where I was not surrounded by love. I know what that's like. And I believe God can use me to open my home and open my doors to care for kids and to show the love of Christ to them. Maybe it's simply, you know what, God can use me to show up on school, to school on Monday and to love the people around me, even the ones I don't really like, that I can show Christ's love to them. Because God calls us to step into that future. He doesn't just save us from something. He saves us for something. It's a purpose in your calling. He doesn't just save us from something. Salvation is just not saving you from something. It's that, part one. But two is he saves us for something. God loves to use imperfect people to impact his world. It's not a perfect past that qualifies you. It's the presence of God in your life. So as the team comes back, you think about what God's purpose is for you. Maybe you already have one. Maybe you know what it is that burns red hot in your, in your spirit. You're passionate about something. You're serving in an area. If that's what it is, if God has a calling on your life that you know, this is my encouragement to you this week. Write it down on a sticky note or something and put it on a door that you walk through every day so that you can be reminded again of what God's called you to and the purpose he has for your life. Just take it, write it, whatever that is. If it's to care for somebody, if it's to encourage somebody, whatever that is, do it. If you don't know what it is yet, I would encourage you to to do this. Take a sticky note, write God's call, question mark. Put it on the door. Pray about it. Ask God, what is it you're calling me to do? What is the purpose you've given me? Our purpose is simply to make him known, for one. So how can you do that in the rhythms of your life with the giftings he's given you? That's what the question is. You see, there's one key to this story that we've been talking about for Peter. I was reading this story over and over this week, early this week. I read it probably four or five different times in different versions of translations of Scripture, and I was studying it. And as I read this story, I mean, I was thinking, in my own perspective, it's about Peter's past. It's about Peter's failure. It's about Peter denying Christ. It's about Peter deserting, deserting the call that God had on him. But I finally realized that I think I'm looking at this story all wrong. Because how many of you know when you take a picture, maybe for Instagram or something, you know, you're putting a picture on the gram, and there's six others in the picture with you, and you get the photo taken, you think it's a good photo if what? If you look good, right? You look at yourself, and it's like if you have a perfect smile and you're nailing that pose like perfectly, I'm not doing that again. 
you're like, that's a good photo. Let's post it. You didn't notice the rest of your friends were blurry and like <laughs> this. Because we, 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 we narrow it down and look at it a certain way. But as I looked at this text, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I was thinking this story is, is not a story about what Peter has done in his past. It's a story of what Jesus Christ did now on the cross. It was a story about what Jesus had done. It's a story about what he's doing and what he wants to do. You see, when I get it right, and I don't get it right all the time, believe me. And if you doubt that, ask my wife. She would vouch for it, that I don't always get it right. <laughs> but when I get it right, when I look at my past, what do I see? I don't see my own failures, but I see God's faithfulness. When I get it right, I don't look at my, I don't look at my past and say, that's my failure, that's my failure, that's my I look back at my life and I say, man, God has been faithful, right? I don't look at my past and say, man, look at the mistakes and all the bad things I've done, maybe, and that bad decision I made, that terrible thing I did, but I can look back on my life in my past and I see, you know what? God has been so good to me. I don't look at my past and see all my failures and shortcomings and defeat in my life, but when I look back in my past, I can see God's victory in my life. That's what I see. This story, first you think, is about Peter, but it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. The question for you is, what's your future going to be about? Is it going to be about a story about me, about my past, or is it a story about Jesus and what he's done for me? And I just want us to be people who say, you know what, God, my life is a story ultimately about you. It's about you. I'll conclude with this scripture. Paul writes, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to 15. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or I've already obtained these things or that I've already arrived at my goal, Paul said, and he knew his past wasn't perfect. He said, but I press on and I take hold of that which is Christ Jesus and, and that he took a hold of me. It goes on to the next verse. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have yet taken hold of it but one thing I do what does he do forgetting what is past if Paul forgot what was past and Jesus with Peter wanted him to forget that mistakes in his past then I want to live in that same rhythm I want to have that same posture that forgetting what is past and what what is behind me and straining forward leaning in to what's ahead to the purpose and the calling that God has for me that's what Paul said. Wow. I press toward the goal and the prize for which he's called me, heavenward, in Christ Jesus. You see, my friend, you are not what you've done. You are who God says you are. And when you're in Christ Jesus, you are his child. You're forgiven, loved, called for a purpose. The question is, do I want my life to be the story or his, or do I want him to be the story of my life? stand with me for a moment we're going to go to a time just to pray as we conclude and if you just take a moment just all over this place if we could just uh, just bow our heads close our eyes for a moment uh, just to eliminate any distraction just for this moment I know there are some of you this morning who have walked into this church today and you're holding on to your past and you feel, feel, you feel feelings of guilt of shame and regret and yet the good news for you is that if you're in Christ Jesus that you don't need to feel those feelings anymore instead you can feel the feeling of being loved and forgiven and a child of God 
If you're here and you're saying, you know what, Justin, from this day forward, I want the story. I want my story not just to be about me, but about Jesus. I want to be about what he has purposed and called me to. And that's what I want it to be about. If that's you this morning, would you just lift your hand? That's My hand's up. My hand is raised high. I want my life not to just be about me. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so my hand's up with you. Let's, let me pray for you. Let's pray for us, Heavenly Father. Thank you so much that you are a God of grace, of mercy, and of forgiveness. Thank you that you are bigger than our past. And the power of the cross is stronger than the power of sin. Lord, we pray that you would help us focus on Jesus, focus on what he's done for us, what he's doing in our lives, and what he wants to do in the future. Lord, help us to step confidently into your calling and purpose, knowing that you're calling us to be used as an imperfect person to impact this world and this city for your glory. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in learning more about our church community, please visit our website, Bethesda.ca, and consider joining us for a gathering soon.